Chestnut Ridge School District presents The Ridge Report, a podcast to discuss items of importance as we work to inspire and empower our students for the ever-changing world. Welcome to The Ridge Report. With us today is Dr. Kalalik, Superintendent of Schools. He was gracious enough to reschedule his coffee with Kalalik to coincide with our show today. Before we get into it, Dr. Kalalik, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, Dave, um, first off, I'm glad to be here, and it's, it's interesting to do a podcast. This is actually the first one I've ever had the opportunity of doing and forming in, so to speak. My background is very interesting. I have a very diverse background. I started as a technology education teacher and graduated through California at University of Pennsylvania in 1987. I, at that time, I worked out of state Maryland for four years, came back to the state of Pennsylvania, where I originally grew up in, um, worked at Forest Hill School District for about 10 years as a technology education teacher, obtained a master's degree from St. Francis in educational leadership. Uh, at that point, I became a principal after that at Admiral Perry Tech, went on to Shippensburg for my superintendent letter of eligibility became the executive director at Admiral Perry for the next seven years after that. And I came to Chestnut Ridge around, I think it was 10 or 11 years ago now. It's just times have uh, passed. At that point, I obtained my doctoral degree from Point Park University in uh, December of 2017. And since that point uh, on, I'm I think I'm about done with education for as far as studies, but I, I, I take that back. I'm actually involved in the Penn State uh, course right now for Act 45. So I think as a superintendent, I'm a continuous learner and um, I definitely like to polish or hone my craft. So as far as education, this is I'm finishing up my 33rd year in education. So for those in our audience that aren't aware, is 11 years a long time for a superintendent to serve in one district? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, if you look at the... Um, history of superintendencies within the state, the average life expectancy, I say it that way jokingly, of a superintendent is about two and a half years in a district. Um, for me to be in a district for 11 years, that's really an anomaly. Um, but unfortunately, I have a great district that I'm able to work in and I have some really great people around me and that, you know, we have a great community. And I think that it has to all come together. And lastly, we have a great board. And that is where, where everything really needs to, I'll say the rubber needs to meet the road there, so to speak. But um, as far as a, as a community, I, I love working at Chestnut Ridge. I drive about 30 miles a day to get here, and uh, I really do enjoy my drive here. It's a, it's a good way to unwind and think about what my day is going to look like and to prepare myself for that type of a day. So in, in essence, in the private sector, a superintendent would operate much like a CEO of a, of a private corporation. Is that an accurate depiction of the, the job? Correct. Yeah, exactly. You'd be the CEO of the corporation. And once again, if you look at a, if you look at a flow chart, you know, you'd be at the top of the flow chart, then your, your business managers, uh, you know, you like yourself, this curricular and the instruction director would fall underneath that. Then, you know, under those people would be your principals and so on and so forth. And you go the whole way down to the custodial staff. And, and trust me, every, every position in that flow chart is a matter of importance. And uh, I view every position in that chart as 
dad's exact same way. You know, I was always brought up. My parents always told me you, you talk to the janitor the same way you talk to your curriculum instruction person, which is you. And I do. That's how I treat everybody because everybody has a very important role working in this uh, system. Great. Great. Thank you. So let's move on to your role as the, as the, the CEO or the superintendent of the school district. Your job would be, um, among many things, setting the vision for education here at Chestnut Ridge. And there is a, a way that's spelled out and prescribed under Pennsylvania law that we are required to do um, every three years, known as the comprehensive plan. So as a superintendent, you're obviously in charge of all initiatives that we're doing, and this is a, a, something you had a big hand in. So can you talk to us a little bit about what comprehensive planning entails? I'm going to probably date myself a little bit here today because before this was called the comprehensive plan, they used to call this a strategic plan for a district. So we're going back about 20 years ago, I'd say 20, 50, maybe 15 years ago, it was transferred over to the name comprehensive plan. And one thing I always thought about when we were doing a plan, I didn't want it to be an anchor on a bookshelf. I wanted the comprehensive plan or any plan we've done to be something that was a usable piece of document, so to speak. And so when you look at a comprehensive plan, there's different components of it. Um, now we tie in the future ADPA index, we tie in gifted services, which is your chapter 14, chapter 16. You tie in student services, you tie, tie in your academic standards, of course, and your Act 48, as well as your induction plan. Act 48 deals with our teachers and the courses they need to take to obtain their, keep their, keep their certification. Um, and your induction plan, of course, would be what they go through. Uh, they're inducted to the field. They're inducted to the position of being a teacher. And once again, you, when you're brand new, you're, you will call that a green teacher. They need induction. They need to have that mentorship, that one-on-one -on -one with someone who's a seasoned veteran to help them get to that level of becoming a master teacher as well. So that those be all the components of that plan. Great, great. Thank you. So it, it truly is comprehensive. So if you could, um, could you walk us a little bit through the process of how the district comes up with a comprehensive plan, including timelines, who's included on the comprehensive planning team, what data are utilized to, to make the decisions for the plan? Going through a couple of things, the process all starts off with it, and it's almost like making a pot of stew, I would say. You look at all the ingredients that are necessary to be in that process too. So you're looking at the process, you're looking at the stakeholder teams, who is that? Who are, the, who are they going to be? They're going to be teachers. They're going to be your educational specialists. We're going to have administrators on there. We're going to have parents on there. We're going to have local business representatives. We're going to have community representatives. We're going to have students on that plan. So you're looking at a component of probably between 15 and 20 people in that pot of stew, so to speak, that are going to all have input. They're going to have ideas. And I really enjoy that process part of it because the more you have input from especially the community and the business leaders you have an idea of what exactly the target is going to be if we as a group just listen to only what the principals or the administrators or just the teachers wanted it would almost be a, a very shallow bland pot of stew so to speak you need to have those other measures you need to have that seasoning of other people and their inputs because um, there's a lot of people out there that or want to be part of this, or are part of this, that have even more knowledge about something we don't know about. And that's why it's nice to bring them into the plan. As far as the process, like you said, it's a three-year process. Every three years, we have to renew it. It takes a while to do the plan. You know, you're over a year 
usually just trying to get the framework and everybody together and all the meetings we have to have and come to final adoption. And as with the state, they actually pushed our plan back. We didn't have to even have it ready at this point, but we did. Because like when you and I talked, it was ready to roll out. Why would we sit on it? It was ready. We knew we knew what we needed to, to get out there for our people, so to speak, and for our community and for our teaching staff. Right, right. Yeah, and if I, my memory serves me correct, I believe we had enough words of 30 people on the team yep. serving in various capacities, um, you know, depending upon their levels of expertise. So and I think it's important to say, Dave, one thing we said at the beginning, and we told us to the group as well, if everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. And I have a spill in a little bit later on in our conversation of why we do prioritize things and how do we know what to prioritize a lot of that ties back to the players that are involved in so to speak this this pot of stew and the people that make up our our team that's actually a great segue into the next topic of conversation i wanted to move into um so prioritizing goals uh, i believe we have four major goal areas that are part of the comprehensive plan from 2021 through 2024 at the chestnut ridge school district so if it's okay with you, Doc, um, we can go through each of those goals and talk a little bit about what those are, um, if that would be agreeable to you. Sure. What I'll do is I'll, I'll list the four goals that we really came up with with this group and what we wanted to do, kind of our targets, our benchmarks. The first goal is to improve our and maintain our ELA scores. Our second goal is to improve and maintain our math scores. Our third goal was going to be to create a social-emotional practices goal, so to speak, and our last goal was workforce and post-secondary preparation. So those would be the four bullets of what this plan really was composed of. And I'll get a little bit into, you know, why we chose those goals. Well, the first two goals are, are pretty simple. Um, when we're evaluated as a school system, you know, we're evaluated through our PSSA scores, we're evaluated for our Keystone exam scores. So looking at that, a lot of those, those first two goals to maintain the ELA or improving, of course, and also the same with the math, they kind of, they bring together, they meld together. That's why those two, and uh, we looked at how to um, achieve greater growth as well as an understanding with our students. So, um, and I think it's important to also looking at the, da the data. And when you look at data, data to me is not just a test score. Data to me is, uh, a component of a test score. It's also a component of participation in class. It's a component of attendance in school. It's a component of even we get to tie a little bit more to that whole social aspect these kids are part of, the students are part of. So data is just not one, one so to speak, measure. It's multiple measures we would use. And, and, and what do we do as a group to help improve and maintain those scores? It comes down to a lot of how we look at our um, once again, are in service days, what we're doing with staff, how we're going to utilize those days, what kind of training did, you know, do, do we go to or as a staff member? It's myself. I had the opportunity to go to college writing and uh, we went out to institute in, in uh, Harrisburg this past year, yourself, Mr. Nisley, Mr. Winger. We all went out there to understand a greater concept of, you know, writing skills and how to drill down. And, and understand those writing skills. So me, like I said, I go back to the education leader. I think it's important for me to have a grasp on that as well as not just my teaching staff and my administrative staff. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate what you said about uh, data being all inputs of information. There's often times when, when, when folks hear the word data, they immediately go to test scores. But really, it's much, much deeper than that. And data is what we utilize to make decisions, but it's not just simply a test score. Rather, any input of information um, is construed as data, and it's what we use to drive our practice and to identify areas of strength and or areas where we're targeting for growth. So you did a really, really good job of explaining the ELA and math component, um, social emotional learning practices. Um, basically, what we're attempting to do there is to embed those practices across the curriculum um, and helping kids that are facing trauma in the world and their lives. It's estimated that, that roughly one in two children um, experience some kind of trauma or an adverse childhood experience before the age of 18. So that's something we need to be cognizant of as an institution of learning. Um, and the last one is one that um, you're definitely qualified to speak to at length. It's workforce and post-secondary preparation. Um, with your background as a, as a technology um, or a tech center director, you have a lot of experience in this area. So can you talk about some of the things that we have in place, you know, in terms of our workforce development programs here at, at Chestnut Ridge? Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. You know, looking at workforce development, you are correct. That's really, I would say, that's one of the things that in my wheelhouse um, as an ex-vocational director, a lot of our job, a lot of my job was to build relationships with business and industry and obtaining uh, jobs for students that are leaving the classroom right into the workforce and maybe not going to a four-year institution. Maybe they're going to best a trade school, which is great. And uh, they're going out or they're going to right to the workforce and, uh, you know, I've a lot, had a lot of students do that and did very well. Looking at some of the things that we really try to um, put into this plan, is we, and one thing I've been trying to do since I've came to Chestnut Ridge was to build dual enrollment courses, uh, to have well, uh, partnerships with business and industry, and just to touch base on some of those. I like to say, um, you know, first off, look at the skills we want students to be able to have. And the main skills, and this is anywhere, and I just talked about this actually just did a uh, watch the video for my Penn State class which talks about continuity of education however um, through a virtual lens you know self-awareness self-management and problem solving I look at that as probably if not the most three important skills we want every student to leave here with when a student leaves Chestnut Ridge if they can take those three have those three skills in their back pocket and do them well those are huge. If you think about this, and probably right now, talking with people in industry, self-management is one of the biggest skills they want our students to come out with. What is self-management? First off, it's getting up to go to work every day. That's the first thing you really do. And secondly, be at work on time. That may sound very simple to some people, but believe it or not, those are two things that employers are looking for each and every day out of a worker. They have to be there, they have to be on time, and they have to be able then to do the job correctly. That becomes problem solving in its own sense. You know, you, one thing as an employer, you don't want them coming to you every time. How do I do this? How do I fix this? What do I do about this? You want people to take the initiative to look at a problem and then also look at a solution. I tell that to my teaching staff a lot, you know, don't always come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution to a problem. And I think that's, we, we were able to accomplish some really great things with our faculty advisory teams by doing and having that type of a mindset. 
Uh, last thing, well, not the last thing, one thing really, I really took a lot of pride in working with, this even goes back uh, to Mr. Shoemaker. You know, right now we have 13 new enrollment classes and AP classes at the high school. Um, that provides students an opportunity to obtain some college credit while they're still in the school, which is huge. Uh, the biggest thing about that, it's a money saver for the parents because you're able to take pay for some credits at a very cheap rate and bring those with them when they decide to go to a two or four year institution. Um, we have a welding partnership with Mission Critical Solutions up in Allen Bank. Great partnership. We've had students have actually gone through that partnership, taken those that course, achieved some certifications, and then actually have been hired by Mission Critical or other uh, welding institutions, uh, places around here. Uh, right now, welding is a very hot field, no pun intended, but it's a very hot field. Students can come out, get a job in welding, making anywhere between $15 and $18 an hour with benefits after you know they get a couple of certifications under their belt. Um, partnerships with Allegheny College in Maryland. I go back to some of our students have an opportunity in a blended approach. They may be here half a day. They may be taking a class at the Allegheny College in Maryland, every campus or driving down to the campus to take a class the other half of the day. And that's one thing we have with our Cyber Academy at Chestnut Ridge. We have the ability to have a blended classroom for students when they get to that point. We want you to have the greatest learning opportunity successes while you're here. And these are some of the ways we can do that for students that maybe they've achieved all their credits they need and they want to uh, go further. We met with uh, UPMC to talk about their nursing program and what students can do to get into that. Uh, you had an opportunity to meet with uh, Ms. Gottesworth. Uh, right before the pandemic hit, and um, that was something that we talked about. So it's been about a year to the day we actually met with Annette, and uh, Nick Otisar talked about that. And um, once again, you know, being competitive, we want our, you know, we want these um, in a competitive economy right now. We want our students to come out and be competitive. We want to make sure that our students are leaving this school with the greatest amount of um, assets they can have in their back pocket, so to speak. So. In a roundabout way, there's a lot that ties in this comprehensive plan that you and I are talked to have talked about. And, uh, you know, once again, I could talk about this for hours upon hours, but you just look at the, the couple of components we just talked about, and we could actually just look at those tentacles and just keep branching off of that and talk a lot more. But just to give you a snapshot, that's kind of what the whole comprehensive plan was back about this time. Now, you know, years from now, we may decide that we need to. Um, Honing on some different areas, so to speak. You know, who would have thought right now, this year, we'd be talking about trauma-informed students and trauma and students dealing with trauma. That's something that's a very hot topic right now as well. And we see that. We see that in administration. I see that as a superintendent. I see that when dealing with parents and students, you know, students are dealing with trauma. And that could be anywhere from the loss of a loved one in their life. It could be from the fact of a, of a family going through a divorce. It could be from the fact of a, a, a death of, a, like I said, loss of a loved one, death of a grandparent death of a sibling, there's a lot of things that happen. Um, the death of a, a pet could cause a lot of, could cause a child to go through trauma. So we're dealing a lot of that with our guidance departments right now, and they're doing a great job keeping up on this, but you know, there's a lot of things that come to us that we are able to help students with. And that's just one thing right now that we felt that really has, um, we had some issues, not issues, but if it's at home and it's not just the Chester Ridge School District, a lot of districts are seeing this right now. It's a lot of trainings we're seeing our staff going to and ourselves are dealing with that. I just want to touch on one point um, before we run out of time here today. You know, you had mentioned the, the partnerships with the community. You know, I've always said uh, being in Chestnut Ridge, I feel like we're blessed to be in probably the most supportive community I, I've ever been around. 
Um, businesses are always open to you know letting us pursue opportunities, giving us feedback. Um, I know you mentioned a couple of the businesses and, and community partners that we we presently have. So uh, sending in teacher interviews with you, that's always the thing you tell us about the district, um, about the community support. So you know, I really um, would like if you could touch on that just a little bit, and then uh, that would be all the time we have. All right. Going back to, you know, once again, I think as a superintendent, you have to be a good fit for the community, and the community has to be a good fit for you. Um, one thing I really liked about when I interviewed Chestnut Ridge was the, the fact that the community was so inviting. The fact that the workforce here had such a strong work ethic. I, I grew up, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Barnesboro boy. I'm, I went to Northern Canberra High School, which is Northern Cambria County. Uh, I saw a lot of the same values that I brought from Northern Cambria that I saw in the, the whole community of Chestnut Ridge. That meant a lot to me, that I saw the work, the work ethic of the people in the community. I saw the, the businesses reaching out to want to have these kids become successful and actually provide them opportunities of success. So, you know, working with other, I, I just, uh, not just mission critical, I can think about like a creative altruisians. I can think of some other businesses that are here in our community that reached out and we've had kids. Some of the farms, some of the orchards our kids work at, you know, they have been so supportive. And when we ask people to step up or to help out, we have people step into these roles. And I, I welcome, I welcome that more. I love when I have an opportunity to meet with the community to talk about what are your needs. When we look at our occupational advisory committees for our two areas which, which we have two vocational classes that are able to test out even our school which are agricultural and our engineering you know you're having people sitting on those committees that are coming twice a year to give you their time but we need that because we need to know what they need right now or what the next greatest thing that they want to have for their business so we can train our students to be prepared for that type of a business so i welcome anybody who wants to come on and be one of our panels, wants to be on one of our groups, so to speak, um, come to our occupational advisory meeting. I would never turn that down because they have more that they can bring to us than we know. But I think that's so important. And that's one thing I like to do at the coffee with Kamalix is to sit down and talk to people about that. And I'm you know, hoping to you know have some more success with that, of course. And I know everybody's busy. And I, we even tried some virtual ones this year. We'll try a few more because I do understand it's busy. And when you deal through a pandemic, things uh there's different things of priority so to speak so anyhow but that's as far as the community i go back to probably if not one of the greatest communities i've ever been affiliated and associated with and i and i say that from the bottom of my heart i truly mean that um i have seen so much support when i when i go out to some of the events of you know the athletic the academic events the uh you know when we get back to having our our, our plays and our, our spring plays and our senior productions you know such a great time and i really enjoy those type of things because it, it they do come out and support very well and that means a lot and i don't know if, you know if you ever get all the thanks you should get as a community but it's a great community i thank you for being to be, become part of it with you okay so if someone wanted to view the comprehensive plan in its entirety where could they find it it's on our uh, district website sierralliance.org you know go on there look just research the comprehensive plan um, you know, it, once again, it's it's a it's a it's a working document. It's a living, breathing document, and it's a relatively large document. But it is a true snapshot 
of what we do as a district and what we'll plan on doing as a district for the next couple of years until once again, until something else comes up that we need to adjust or target. And I always look at, and I think you said it very well, Dave, um, we look at levels of growth. We don't look at ever as weaknesses. I don't like to use the term weakness. I look at levels where we need to grow. Some things we do very well, and we do them well every day. And there's things we need to grow on to do better. Um, you'll always hear my, hear my mentality or my mindset speaking that direction. I think that's a great place for us to wrap it. I just want to thank you for taking the time to be with us this week. And for all of you that uh, enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and like and share with anybody that may be interested in the happenings of Chestnut Ridge School District. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you.